Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched The Nice Guys, directed by Shane Black and released in 2016. The plot of the movie goes something like this. Two private investigators in 1970s Los Angeles follow the trail of a missing girl through the city's underworld. I don't know what I did with the name of the city just then. That was weird. But anyway. That's okay. You have Your voice is quite low and husky right uh, now. Yeah. It sounds cool, actually. <laughs> It's the one good side effect of yes. this <laughs> no long fry. Um, yes. Oh man, I was I really like Shane Black, but about five minutes into this movie, I was looking for the door, and I was like, oh god, no, I don't like this movie at all. And it got a bit better. There was a couple of things I laughed at, but I really, I don't think I like this at all. The kid in the beginning of the movie was the kid from Jurassic World, wasn't he? Oh, the kid with the porno mag. Yeah. Whatever. That was the thing that put me offside. I just. As soon as that happened, I was like, oh, is this where we're going to go with this movie? Ugh. It was a weird kind of a movie. Um, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it either. Like, I didn't – there were things about it that I could sort of see uh, were good. And there were some jokes that I thought were funny, but a lot of them just fell flat for me. Um, there's this kind of – I felt like this movie kind of want, had, wanted to have its cake and eat it too in a lot of ways. Like, it wanted to – um, go for broke with the nostalgia of the 70s, but also condemn the nostalgia of the 70s. Yeah, that's, this is where I fa- had trouble as well. It was sort of like, it was a little bit too faithful to the 70s, but at the same time, like, I think it was trying to make fun of the 70s, but because it was so faithful, it actually seemed to be like, look, like looking back with nostalgia on the 70s. Yeah. And it, not at the good bits. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like, it seemed to want to have this nostalgia for, like, the rough-talking, you know, non-PC 70s at the same time as condemning the, you know, the mm. period and the people in it. Um, and that's where I think it kind of you, – you can't do that. It doesn't work. Um, also, I – like, he, he – Shane Black put a lot of work into making sure that you knew it was the 70s. There's a lot of shots of L.A., um, of various like seventies things in LA, all That's, over oh, the place. Now I've remembered what it was that I. Re- it's the seventies. It felt really unoriginal. Like if the, the the nostalgia of it was such that it just felt really unoriginal. But it seemed like it, it, a lot of those shots. I was like, yeah, we get it. Okay, we understand that this is the millionth shot of the same thing. Yeah, uh, it was really frustrating for me, and I, he did a lot of that. Yeah, a lot um, of that, like pulling up o- over the um, you know, the grid outline of the flat city and. And work and th- that sort of Mulholland Drive type going up into the hills kind of stuff. But I, I not only did he do it a few times in this film, I felt like I'd seen it before. Yeah. And I felt like I'd seen the storyline before. I felt like I'd seen the um, complete disrespect for women's bodies before. I felt like well, the sh- I'd very seen- first shot is from behind the Hollywood sign. Yeah. Um, but also that that um that lack of respect for women's bodies thing. It feels like he's trying to make a point about it, but I don't know what the point is. Because he, tr- the only only female characters who get treated well in this are the thirteen year old girls, and even the one of those thirteen year old girls isn't treated that great. Well, there's the older lady who isn't treated that badly, and well, uh, no, but the thing is, the plot is held up because they think she's crazy. Yes, I because know. Because you but can't that, trust women. And then the, the whole plot I don't think falls the apart. movie treats her badly. I think the characters yeah. do. And I think it's worth making a distinction in that particular area. Because if we take everything that the two main characters uh, do and say on as this movie's uh, right. point of view, I don't think that's true. Uh, yeah, I wasn't so bothered about the old lady. The bit that got me was with um, like Kim Basinger's assistant phones up. And immediately, like my immediate thought is this is a trap. 
but they just take her. It's a trap. Tra- like it was clearly a trap. Clearly the daughter was telling the truth. Clearly this was a really bad idea. And yet they do it. And that's how we set up the whole end of the movie with them running off on a stupid errand that everybody knows is going to fail. Yeah. Because like these idiots don't trust, don't trust the crazy girl. They trust the pretty girl who's the assistant to the other old, and again, scary old lady. I, the idiots, in both of those cases, it's Ryan Gosling. And he is like, he is the he's know, awful. He's an awful, absolutely character. awful. I do think Ryan Gosling did a really good job in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he w- he did, he did some really really like clever things with his character, and he did some really funny like had some really funny ticks and stuff like that going on. Mm. He was a lot better than Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe like slept sleepwalked through this movie. Um, and and I think but Ryan Gosling played the drunk so well it made me feel sorry for Russell Crowe at one point. Yes, but yeah. I I just don't think Russell Crowe was putting much into this. Um, and I no. also think that they're trying really hard to sell us on the chemistry between them, but there isn't any. Uh-uh. Um, it, ju- it It's not – and that's part of why the movie doesn't work. There's no point at which I felt like I, I kind of was enjoying their um, interactions and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't work for me. Um, and that puts me in mind of like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is a movie we both really love, which um, Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer work really, really well together. Very similar plot, similar location, same director. Yeah, works really well, but this I just was like, it just put me offside really early. All I could see were naked women everywhere, and all the all all, all the women we saw were crazy or evil. There, and that was it. Like, it was yeah, just, there's a lot of stuff about how Hollywood treats women in these movies, but they're not. But it's th- never, literally, never comes, all they do is treat women like that. Yeah, exactly. Other um, than the the thirteen year old daughter. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I have the a similar problem with all those things it's just not it doesn't work also there's only one woman of color in this movie and she's a bad guy mm-hmm. and the girl who played amelia was such a terrible actress her one big scene made me cringe so many times it was horrible it was like um 40 year olds writing teenagers type thing oh, it was awful th- this is the dialogue was crusty in parts there was a couple of good one-liners and a couple of jokes that worked but some of the dialogue was like overdone Mm. Overwritten, overlong, over-explanatory, and her, hers was among that as well. And also, she's not a strong actress, and it was just like she's oh. terrible. She ter- that scene, like by the end of that scene, I was like, I'll just kill her already. Um, there is something that Shane Black does that works really well, which is he he's always subverting tropes, right? So he sets up what you think is going to happen, and then something completely different will happen. Um, and he does it really well, and it's one of the reasons why his action movies are so good is because we're used to watching action movies. We know when certain scenes are set up what's going to play off at the end of it, mm. right? Um, and he's always subverting that, and he's always changing up the scene and and taking it in a different direction, and so you don't actually know what's going to happen by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, the end of this movie felt so rushed, like they didn't have any idea how they were going to end it. Yes. It just kept... Uh, it was just like lots of running around and fighting followed by explosions and it, none of it didn't all make sense. Mm. Like you, we didn't set up the explosions. We set up some of the running no, around. No, but we did. The, just... the explosions were all grenades from Matt Bomer's suit. Oh. Um, he, you could see them. They, you heard them bounce and you saw them. I missed in that. Certain, okay. Yeah, no, I, I got all of that. Also, it has that scene has the best use of a like car show turntable yeah. I've ever seen. That that see the, the, there are still gags I think and still things that, in this movie that work really well. Right. And show a lot of that ingenuity, but then at the same time there are it, it just doesn't work as well. And I felt like that whole scene was like you know I kept thinking 
I kept waiting for Ryan Gosling to be shot. It was set up for the whole thing. Mm. I kept thinking that something was going to happen, but it just ends and everybody's fine. And you're like, the, where's the stakes here? Well, and that this was the thing. They just kept killing off women and people of color as well, like the the um, there's a black guy goes after him, dies horribly. Like they they just kept killing off minor characters, and our main main guys got shot at over and over again, and just managed to miss every bullet. Every bullet managed to miss them. It was really there was there was a weird uh, through line where people kept getting shot by accident by the yeah, bad guys, just pe- uh, just like bystanders, and it was never mentioned again. Just like people were being shot. Are they okay? What happened? Yeah. That looked really bad. That was bizarre. That was yeah, such and, and, a and weird. Just, and that really put me offside as well because it was so, well, what's the word? Like a disposability of human life. Like they just mm. had this idea of these disposable people who got shot and were collateral damage and there was nothing more about it. But it was always by the bad guys so that the good guys were yeah. um, in the clear. That's Yeah, that was a really weird decision for this film to make like if you're going to do that then have some consequences for that happening please yeah, and I just, can we like have the mm. uh, and the thing is that um i actually thought that scene at the party the action stuff there was really good mm. it had real peril like genuine yeah, yeah, peril yeah. and also it was really uh had really good character moments when ryan gosling rolled down like went over yeah. the thing and rolled down the hill for this girl that just kind of got bored and wandered away and all that sort of stuff i thought that was really good mm. um i thought that, and then he you know <clears throat> i liked him stumbling upon clues and and uh i you, you got a really good sense of the way that party was set up and the the mm. space and all that sort of thing i thought that yeah. was really clever and them running down the hills and, and the chasing with the cars and the girls running down the hills and them all trying to intersect and stuff. Yeah, the use of the canyons, that part of LA was quite well well put together because you see it at the start as well, that car crashes, um, Misty Mountain's car crashes through the kid's house and lands in one of those LA canyons that are all at the back of all the really wealthy houses in LA. Yeah. And I thought that, I think it's an interest, it's a good use of LA um, if you're going, yeah. I just... I don't know. It just put me offside. This movie just put me offside early on. And I didn't really like the people, the, the the characters, and I just was like, yeah, I didn't like the, the whole, characters. The only person the whole you care about is the child. Is yeah, it's the daughter. I just spent the whole movie kind of waiting for it to be over. <laughs> yeah, that was the way it started with like a little kid trying to steal his dad's porno mag, and then I, and why was the girl naked? I yeah, she felt she crashes her car and she's naked, and so. We, we never then, get an answer for almost, that. We never get we, an answer for how that happened. Yeah. And we move almost straight away onto like Russell Crowe doing this kind of job where um, he's tracking down guys who groom 13-year-old girls. But the way it's framed is that like the girls are at fault for picking up these sugar daddies. And that just – I was just like, oh, no. Yeah. And, mean, and he's also seen like stiffing um, a client. Uh, was, like was it – is that Amelia who's $7 yeah. short and – you just like eh, you're yeah no he's a dick but I I do think there's an interesting through line of like kids these days that I thought was really mm. funny because people say that now like you, you and people it, have always said it people exactly yeah. and then you've got Ryan Gosling going on and on about how about kids the these days are terrible when he's terrible yeah the environment his daughter's growing up in yeah gee I wonder what that is the one where her father drinks all the time yeah, and exactly. puts her in danger I mean that's that yeah. I thought that was kind of the point of that and yeah that, yeah, that no, was that quite was clever. Yeah, that was okay. Um, and uh, I think that was kind of the point of the the Russell Crowe yeah, thing just, at the beginning this, as well. This is just like the no, I was never there was never any reason for me to root for either of these guys. Oh no, and or, or for their relationship or anything. The only reason no, I all- wanted Ryan Gosling to survive was because like his daughter ne- needed some adult to be around, and they were actually really good together, Ryan Gosling and and 
the daughter. Mm, there's um, a couple of really nice scenes like where her friend has been thrown out a window in their house. He runs and grabs the friend, takes her inside and gets his daughter into a, like a closet. That I thought was, yeah, there were moments with them, the two of them. Their interactions work quite well too. I don't know why we they decided to introduce the daughter through the fo- telephone like they weren't didn't live together. That was a weird mm. choice, right? That was uh, that seems strange to me. Why didn't we just see her first mm. and then hear her on the I, phone? I got the feeling like it was an earlier version of the script where instead of being um, the, his wife being dead, she they were divorced or something like that. That to me was the it was very odd. It was very odd because there was also that 1970s. They started because they started to mention another point about no fault divorce, which came in in the 1970s and meant that a lot of women were finally able to divorce their stupid husbands without having to you know, prove adultery or prove. Um, like a, a grounds for divorce, and so they start. I think they started going down that path of he. Was well, there's a lot of divorced. stuff where Russell Crowe was grumbling about marriage. No, yeah, though. and that was never, that was the Russell Crowe story. Yeah, line. but but we don't really with that one scene where it's like I'm fucking your father, and he's like, what the. F-? Yeah, we just have one. It feels like there was a storyline about bad getting out of bad marriages, or the two of them having been wronged by women. Although, although clearly, you know, who knows? Um, and and there and that this. Is them getting together to try and like work through that stuff, but I feel like wasn't ever for, well for examined. All the exposition that's in the film, there's a lot of stuff we don't know about <laughs> about anything. We don't, but why? Yeah, he's always going on about how awful marriage is. We other than that one scene of I'm fucking your father, like what else is there? Like is that it? That is your whole thing, and marriage is now like buying a house for someone you don't like. Why doesn't he drink? Where's the story for that? What is with that diner story? Where's the story for that? Like, mm. that's just an anecdote that talks about him feeling useful, but we don't ever get the sense of why he feels useless. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't, I feel like why there's a lot Ryan of. Why is Ryan Gosling, it seems to have left the police force and gone out on his own. Like, why has he done that? What's, what, oh, cause he, his life has clearly gone like on a downhill spiral of getting out of the police force and his drinking gets worse. But he did tell us that. <laughs> he said that his wife died and then he, Went um, on a downward spiral yeah. of drinking. And then yeah. he was, um, he, because of the drinking, he couldn't be on the police force anymore. Yeah. Um, he, he, he tells us that in voiceover. I don't blame you for not remembering it. Um, yeah, well, the, the voiceover, again, is another really boring thing to Well, I get it. Story. A lot of this movie I was thinking about Veronica Mars um because and like Jessica Jones because the um because of the daughter for one thing uh-huh. um but also because um that's what they're trying to tap into with the voiceovers and things is noir right right but this movie isn't noir <laughs> it's not a noir it, it tries to be a noir movie but this is a strangely unnoirish movie i mean if it were a noir movie then we wouldn't the all the stuff about their past would be just a straight up mystery instead of trying to feed us bits of it and that does make me wonder if there was like was there some kind of like tension between the studio and the director or is this all what Shane Black wanted and he just didn't like have any direction with this? Because yeah. it does seem like there's a few different ideas in this movie that don't we, add up it's, properly. Yeah, it's like maybe they've, I don't know if it was a novel or not and they took, or, or there was another script and they reworked it because it really does feel like something's been dropped and something's not right there. Yeah. I mean, there's, there is, there's this level of misogyny and, and racism in this movie that's, it's so, so unpleasant. Weird. It's so. It's just not. It's not just unpleasant. It's weird. It's like, I, I, I. It's this it's kind like of original nineteen seventies misogyny and racism. Yeah. Like, it, oh, not original. Obviously, they've both been around forever. But it's nineteen seventies versions of those things, which is like, mm. well, see, it's like the Yaya da Costa thing. Seems like it's going for like a, um, uh, Jackie Brown type 
Yes, yes. Right? The but she's the hero. Type thing. Yeah. And not the bad guy. You can't just drop her in this movie as a bad guy with two white guy heroes who mm. are awful. It just doesn't work. There's and there's and it's a really cynical movie as well. Everybody's only in it for themselves. And and everybody's like there's no good outlook for anybody either. And and Ryan Gosling's horrible swindling and Russell Crowe's just he just hates well, everyone. But he's he's got that horrible. Russell Crowe has this whole women. Russell Crowe has this whole like soft spot for young, uh, yeah, like- yeah, young girl. But this is the this is the problem though. All of the all of the girls who are considered good are the ones who are still you know thirteen. It's like it's like once and they're virgins. Yeah, it's like once they're adult women or past puberty, they're you know they're fallen yeah. and they're no longer of any. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of slut shaming. Mm. Um, there's a lot of slut shaming. And like the, all the talk about porn and stuff, it it is. It's really mm. nasty. And then like Kim Basinger, what was that role? Like she's only in the movie for five minutes, so you can go, oh, she's clearly the bad guy. There's no twists in this movie. There's mm. a twist about what the actual plot is, and you're like, but we well, didn't they, even need is, that. This twist. is why it drove me nuts because when they when Yaya Dacosta calls them and is like, come and get this money for me, you're like, how are you so stupid? How is someone so cynical, so dumb as to off- as to offer to volunteer to carry money for somebody else? Like mm. that is that is like not being a sucker one oh one. Yeah, and you're supposed it, to be hard boiled private dicks, and you're voluntarily carrying money for this woman. Well, the point Plot of Ryan Gosling is, is that he's not a hard boiled no, no, private he's dick. Though. So he's so stupid. Idiot. And and the the yeah. point of that is that he has a crush on her, and therefore he will do any. No, it, but it's, it's stupid. So and you know, stupid. but you know that if she called Russell Crowe, he wouldn't have yeah, done it. And and oh my god, the the fact that it works that Russell Crowe doesn't actually say something. And then they get back to the house, and and Matt Bomer's bad guy is getting into his car, and they're like, "Did you hear that?" And he's like, "Oh." what, the girl I threw out the window and start shooting at me? You're like, he's clearly the bad guy. You, he's walking away from your house where you know that. I mean, what are you guys doing? Why Why are oh. these things happening? You know, why is it it, 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 it depends so hard on people carrying the idiot ball. Mm. Yes. That, but then again, you know, yeah, that, that scene when they get into the hotel and they get up to the suite oh. level and they look outside and there's like the guy's Everyone's dying and they're just like, and they're like nope. nope. And, they- and they nope out and go downstairs. Yeah. That, and it's just a waste of a scene. That whole thing is a waste of a scene. No, it's so that they can get Amelia and take her. Yeah, but oh my god, I don't know. I, I, it's yeah, it just kind of falls down a lot. I don't understand why. Pe- I, I feel like the people who liked it so much should go back and look at these his other movies. But people hated Iron Man three, so yeah, who I, knows? I, a lot of people liked Iron Man three. It's Iron Man two they really hate. A lot of people seem to hate Iron Man three too because it's mostly because mm-hmm. of the Mandarin twist that they don't. Like. Oh, okay. I thought that was the best bit of it. Um. But, um, yeah, I, it just, I thought just, the best bit of it the, was that bit where Tony's breaking into the place and he's only got the one Iron Man glove and he's like doing. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that, that, good. that is good. I just work for these guys. I have a family. <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't make sense. Like, there's not. It's not coherent. The story is hard to follow and also like is not well told. Things are all over the place. The people. There's no characters who are worth following. And every time you meet a new character, like Chet. And then that stupid kid on the bike. I have a giant penis. You want to see my penis? No, nobody wants to see a penis. And then that all that de- all that does is allow you know Ryan Gosling to have his his hilarious monologue about the world his daughter is growing up in. But that just ah, it does not make any sense, and it just doesn't go anywhere useful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it it it's sort of needlessly the plot is sort of needlessly complicated in a way that you're kind of like devote some of this time to better things. Yeah. 
I, there were some funny jokes in there meandering around, but stop meandering around and actually like have a through line of a story. Yeah. And um, I, I don't agree. I mean, I, I, I really liked the kid. I think the kid is great. Um, she's, um, but again, I like, didn't say I didn't like her. I thought she was. No, good. but you said there's no characters. No, that's true. I did like her and Gowrie. Yes. She was really, really good. She, um, Australian kid. And she, uh, she wasn't just really good, but she, um, and her acting was good, but she was also really interesting in that she had this kind of storyline that where she was the most capable person, mm. um, yeah, which is uh, you know a tr- also a trope where the kid is the most capable person. But it yeah. was yeah, she did it well. Um, yeah, and no, uh, I, I liked her. her. I did like. Although her. it does feel like the that Yaya da Costa is only there so that you can have like a girl fight a girl at the end of the movie, which was bizarre. Um, mm. That was a weird scene. Anyway, yeah. Um, no, I did. Yeah, I did think Holly was good. The daughter. I've just. I also just – she was the only redeeming feature in a movie that I was just not enjoying. Yeah. So, like, she, yeah, she was probably my bright spot. That was how I got through to the end. Oh, that was the other thing about the – it. Um, I was talking about all this setup for the 70s and stuff, but then p- the people in it didn't look like they were actually from the 70s, um, which is a problem that I have a lot of the time when you watch these, especially when they show actual stock footage of the 70s mm. because you're looking at the stock footage and you're like, well, the fashions are actually different to what we're being shown here. Yeah. Um, there's a uh, – perfection and a shininess to the people that they have now that they didn't have then yeah and and when it's when it's put into like contrast like that you can see it really easily i knew the shot when they were going to transition to modern day because you could see that it was a better shot than the real that had happened before it so it it uh it didn't feel like it was actually the 70s to me it felt like a movie made now set in the 70s a lot of the costumes felt like not reproductions but like the current day version of a seventies fashion, like Yaya da Costa's red dress with the V neck on it, and um, and Kim Basinger's suit with the the blouse with the bow on the front. That's they're in fashion now, and it looked like a one of the ones that had been made now, as opposed to one of the ones that was made back in the seventies. Yeah, um, yeah, and nobody's had that much Botox either as Kim oh, Basinger. God. Yeah, Kim Basinger she could couldn't move barely her. move her face. Yeah. My God, um. poor woman. But yeah, but I know I totally know what you mean. The, like even that yellow dress, they're like a. A modern day reproduction of what people now think was in the seventies, as in the whole decade. And when you see the real footage of actual nineteen seventy eight, the firstly the women are much more covered up than any of the ones that we well, see. Well, that but, was yeah, I think although the, that was a motor show as opposed to the porn the porn party, world, which we at the motor show in the um e- even in the movie everybody was a lot more covered up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it yeah no they didn't look right. They, yeah, the the teeth are too nice, and the eyebrows are too groomed, and even the um even in the porn shoots, there's not enough pubic hair. Mm. Yeah, it, yeah, it was all um it didn't it didn't really it didn't have that kind of seventies. And there are it movies that do it really well. Yeah, yeah, um there are movies that can capture that kind of period much better than this movie did, and it means embracing all the bad fashion as well. You know, not well, just I the guess, stuff that you're I, nostalgic for. And I, also, there was one guy in this movie who was like a lawyer who looked like a cross. Between Greg Grum- Greg Grumberg and um, Sean from Psych, his real name I can't remember right now for some reason. Mm. He he looked so much like this cross between them. I was totally distracted in the whole thing. Oh. It doesn't have any bearing on the movie, but it just cracked me up. I I was sitting yeah. there staring at him like what? Yeah, I wonder if like when you're talking What's about um, I I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, and I was thinking about something else. Oh, the nostalgia stuff that we we were talking about. I get the idea it's like 
Shane Black's idea of what it was like in the 70s, how it felt to him. And I imagine he was like a young guy in the 70s. I don't actually know exactly how old he is, but I would guess in his early 60s. And so he was probably coming of age in the 70s. And so he was perhaps trying to capture the feel of what it felt like for him to be coming of age in the 70s as opposed to like... He's 54. 54. So, yeah, he would have been probably coming of age in the 70s. He was born in 1961, so yeah. Yeah, he would have been like a teenager or whatever. So, th- that's probably his glory days, which is probably why it's um, well, – ca- and he's trying to ca- – and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's trying to capture it and trying to go with like the emotional truth of like how it would feel to be a kid coming of age in the 70s for a kid coming of age today. Yeah, and there's there's a whole bunch of movies set in the 70s that are coming out at the moment because that's clearly the – James O'Day. Oh, right, yes. Um, that's clearly the uh, nostalgia period for directors that are around, like the big directors, yeah, yeah. male mm-hmm. directors that are around at the moment are yep. like, remember in the 70s when everything was better? Yeah, and they all look back on the, all those 1970s movies that are all about lots of men doing manly things and having feelings, like Scorsese movies or Polanski movies or, you know, the big beard directors from the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just this movie was... <sighs> It's just kind of a mess. And mm. it seems to be trying to like slide by on the charisma of the leads as well. Yeah, and um, a, a couple of funny jokes between them. Yeah, and and uh, I do genuinely think that Ryan Gosling kind of um, – his, his, it's such an unlikable role and uh, and I'm not, you know, a huge fan of Ryan Gosling or anything, It's it, um, but I think he just did some really interesting things with it. I, I also – I've thought that a couple of times I remember watching him and I was like – I'm not sure. I haven't seen very many Ryan Gosling movies. Like I've never seen The Notebook or anything. And I just was sitting Count there. Your lucky stars. I was just looking at him, thinking he's really good. Like yeah. this is a really good character, and he's working really hard. So yeah, I've never been like into him as in he's hot, but I'm definitely into him as in he's talented. Yeah, I think he really showed that in this movie. I think he was really, really. He good. was doing yeah a lot better than pretty much anybody else. He was. Um, and, and Apart the, from the girl playing his daughter. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's probably why their scenes together were the best scenes. Like, And, and there was this kind of, you, you see him kind of having this genuine affection but having no idea what he's supposed to be doing mm. and being terrible at being a father. Um, but at the same time, like he, he really, like the first scene where um, Russell Crowe comes in and beats him up, he was so good in that scene. He was so good in that scene. Every time that he would like, he would go for the gun and then he would be like, oh, okay, I get it. And he'd be really scared. And, um, and all these little things that he does in the whole movie where you can like, instead of, I mean, it's not always in the script, but you can see him, um, like processing what this character is going through and why this character is making the decisions he's making. Mm. Um, that is really clever. But then there's like the, the, the sentimental scene, pool scene doesn't work at all. It, there's this sentimental music playing and it seems like it's a moment of connection for these guys, but it doesn't play No, at all. not well at all. Um, yeah, I have to say in that, that opening scene where Russell Crowe comes and beats him up, I was really, really distracted because the reverse shot of Russell Crowe's face was always shot – it was shot through like a wicker wall or something mm-hmm. that had little – had like open doors – it was really, really distracting to me. And all I was like, why did you frame it like that? Why would you do that? Why why are you cutting to this right now? And it drove me mad. Well, that's how they – yeah. It, it. I think it's to give a sense of space of the house because that house is a very important kind of yeah, yeah. I think it, it, location for the film. Eventually we do, but we never actually go back to that specific location in the house again. Um, and it would just – it was – made me quite confused about it when we came back later because mm. it looks different on different occasions when we see it. Yeah, um, the house is a, is an important, much more important than, than Russell Crowe's place, which is above a comedy bar. It seems That great. was a weird thing as well. Like there's mm. all these little like touches 
that you're sort of like, but this has no relevance to anything. The yo-yos, the drink, whatever it was called. Oh, yoo-hoo. Yoo-hoos. Yeah. That was weird. Well, it's because she, that was too creating. I know, I know, I I know what it was, but it was, it was also like it went on too long. Yes, I understand that. But they wanted to show that the girl had had an effect on him. That's what that was for. Um, Yeah, no, I got it. I just, it also, it kind of ran on too long and felt awkward. Especially that this is the first time she's ever seen him and she offers him a yoo-hoo. It's very weird. But that's also making the point of the girl being a nice kid because she goes and tries to help the guy who's just been trying to kill them. And like, there's that, 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 I mean, all all of those bits have plot relevance rather. uh, Him living above a comedy bar has no plot relevance. No, it was just like. And they, and we only see that. That it's above a comedy bar one time. Mm. There's no, there's no relevance to that. I feel like the, the at least the other things have plot relevance. Like, you know, they're setting up the characters and they they're well, setting again, up. It things. feels like we're missing something from his character because he talks about, oh, I like where I live and I don't want to move, and that's fair enough. But like, and, and the idea being that he lives in a total shithole in a weird part of town above a comedy club. But I feel like again we're missing something, like that he likes going to comedy clubs, maybe. Oh, yeah, or, or there's a reason that he's stuck living above a comedy club, and like, there's, it's never kind of, it, it's there's hints in there, but it's like it's a whole storyline there was dropped again about him. Yeah, and I don't feel like he was putting enough into the character to make us really care either. He just no. didn't seem to be interested in being in this movie. No, um, and he's like Russell Crowe can kind of, he's I think he's actually a really good actor. I think we've talked about this before. But yeah, where I don't like him and you yeah, do. Yeah, and I actually think even even in roles where I sort of am not believing it at the start, I usually end up having empathy for him by the end. And I got a bit of that bit here, but he really was kind of just coasting. Look, I can one. never forgive him for Les Mis, man. I just I that, that that's was never so going to happen. <laughs> that was so bad. <laughs> to be fair, I don't I don't think I liked him before Les Mis. No, but, but he, he also he ruined sort of, Les Mis. Yeah, and he sort of hasn't done a lot since then. Like he's kind of. He's got well, he his reputation in, for being difficult, and he was in that you know, uh, Man of Steel. Um, yeah, that's right. He was Jor-El. he was Jor-El in Man yeah. of Steel, and he was like, you know, that was where we talked about him. When I talked about how I actually quite like him, and he was quite, I thought he was quite good in that. Yeah, and I did. Um, but but yeah, no, he's not. He doesn't get me in. Like the I don't know what, his usual charisma isn't working here in this one for me. Yeah, and it's funny because he's definitely the more sympathetic of the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's definitely the nicer of the two of them, and yet he doesn't play as well as Ryan Gosling does. Yeah. Anyway, uh, shall we wrap it up? Oh, why not? Let's get this over with. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to give this movie two stars. Yeah, I'm giving it one. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to follow us on social media, we are on Facebook, um, just at Silver Screen Queens. Uh, we are on Twitter at screen underscore queens. We are on Tumblr, silverscreenqueens.tumblr. Is it that way around? Tumblr. Tumblr. Silver, I always get that the wrong way around. Tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read my review of The Nice Guys when it eventually comes out, you can do this, do that on silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. That's the one. And you can read our show notes. Um, and anything else on www.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.